this morning we're going to be looking at Psalm 139. And if you saw in the back of your bolt in the title that I chose is I am known by God. And uh, as I thought about that a little bit more later, I thought maybe the better, better sermon title would be God knows Joel. Or pick your name, put your name in there. God knows whoever, you know, just stick your name in there. Uh, because he does. And I was thinking this morning is we're not too far from Interstate 80. Every day there's thousands of vehicles traveling up and down that highway from all across the United States and Canada that God knows those people. He knows the names of each one of those people traveling down that highway, and he knows us here today. Now, if you think about that a little bit, how does that make you feel? God knows Joel. How does that, or God knows, you know, put your name in there. How does that make you feel? So depending on where we stand with God, right, and his son Jesus Christ, you could have a different answer there. The answers could be a little bit different for each one of us. If you don't believe, right, if you don't believe in God, well, then it doesn't matter if God knows you or not because you don't believe. Or you might be scared that if there is a God, he could find me out. If there, if there is a God, that God could find me out. That's kind of scary. But hopefully we're all Christians here. What about us? What, about, what does it mean when God knows us as Christians? We could be scared, too. How much does he know? How much does God know about me as a Christian? Um, does he know my sin? How about my attitude? How about my thought? And the answer to that is yes, he knows those things. As we sit here, and whether you're Christian or not Christian, he knows those things. He knows who we are. So let's say, let me ask you this question. Would you want the person that is closest to you, whether that's friend, family, husband, wife, whoever you're sitting next to, would you want the person closest to you to know your every thought? Um, <laughs> what, well, <laughs> what if, what if in a different sense, what if every thought that came to your mind, you just blurted out, uh, it, it, it would probably get ugly really fast, right? <laughs> you know, what if they knew, what if, what if the person sitting next to me, what if they knew who I actually was, you know, here's the thing though, God does know. God knows, right? And right now, he's closer than any human can ever get to us as, as we're here today. Um, so with Christians, right, we can try to maybe ignore, ignore that fact that God knows me, or we can embrace it. The idea of Psalm 139, which is where we're at today, and uh, if you want to open up your Bibles there, we're in Psalm 139. Probably if you just stick your thumb in the middle of your Bible and open it up, you're going to fall somewhere close there. Uh, Start looking up Psalm 139, but as we think about that, in Psalm 139, and they think it's David that wrote this psalm, he embraces the fact that God knows who he is, that God knows me, that God knows you. He embraces that fact. He's not scared of it. He's not up in the air about it. He, 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 He loves that. And so as we sit here this morning and we think about that, we can be in awe of the fact that the God of heaven, the God of earth, the God of everything, 
knows us. And when we think about that, that's a personal thing. I like to go outside at night, right, and I look up at the sky and I see those stars and I think, wow, God made that. How far is it? How big is it? But this isn't necessarily talking about that. This is talking about us. And you'll see that as we go through this psalm. It's talking about God in my personal space. How, how, how do you feel about that? It's God, God dealing with me on my level, in my, in my space. And so we see here that the psalmist David uh, chose to embrace that. And not only embrace that God knows him, but rejoice in it. He's amazed by it. And he realizes he can't totally comprehend or understand any of that. Um, but be in awe on the fact that God knows you. And so this psalm, it comforts me. Uh, when I think of this psalm, I, I, I'm, not one of, I'm not a person that runs to the psalms a lot. And I, I might be weird. I just don't run to the psalms for comfort, comfort a lot. I know a lot of people do. But I'm just not, I, I just don't do that uh, in particular. But I like this psalm because it tells me about me and it tells me about God and where I stand there. And so it, it, it makes me open before God. And I like that that he knows everything, more than my wife does, more than my kids do, more than my parents do. He knows me. And so it's a song, it's a statement, it's a prayer. Um, and if you've made it to Psalm 139, just follow along with me. I'm going to read it for you here this morning. Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light come, become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those that hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offense, offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So as we start into this psalm, uh, Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Um, as we think about that, it's, it's already done. So whether you want to be searched or not searched, you have already been searched. 
It's God. And so no matter how we feel about that, the Lord Jehovah has searched and known me and you and everyone else. Um, So as we think of searching here and that idea of God looking at us, it's not like he's searching for something. It's not like he lost anything. Um, It's more of the idea of penetrating us, digging down into us to see who we are and, and where, what we're doing, how, how we stand before him, whether it's good or bad. Um, and if you notice there, it's past tense, so it's already done. He has searched me and known me. Um, so like I said, whether you want to or not, it's already done. So if, if we want to kind of maybe help us to picture this idea of this searching and digging into us, uh, Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct to what he deserves. So think of it this way. Think of it as examining and looking and searching and digging down. And this searching by God, it's not from afar. It's not him. He can do that. It's not like God looking down on us. Or is it us being under a microscope? Because he needs neither one. You know, he doesn't have to do it that way. It kind of reminds me of uh, Hebrews. In Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And so, this searching is like he can divide us apart. He can break us down and know everything there is to know about us. And he does because he's God. So as we move on here, uh, verse 2. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. So as we sit there and we think about that a little bit, God knows, put your name in there, knows me, knows you. He knows our everyday tasks. So if I said, everybody stand up. (laughs) Everybody stand up. (laughs) Okay, everybody sit down. (laughs) What's he say there? He says, you know when I sit and I rise, and that was totally pointless, right? Totally pointless. But God knew that. God knew that. It it had nothing to do with our everyday life. It had nothing to do with anything besides me wanting to do that. And but he knew that. You know, he he sees even those small things. And so he knows our our motives for everything. Um he discerns. It says in verse three, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. He discerns my thoughts. He knows everything that I do. He sifts what I'm going to do each day and knows why I'm doing it, how I'm doing it. Um, uh, the, the Hebrew gives you the idea of, of winnowing, like a winnowing, like a sifting uh, of, of wheat and chaff. And that's what he does with my thoughts. And what, what my motivations are. He digs through those things and knows exactly why I do each thing that I do. Um, we could take that a couple different ways. We could take it as if 
I am changing channels on the television, and I see a show that I know I shouldn't watch, and I pause there just an extra little bit of time before I move on. He knows why I did that. He knows it was for my sinful nature. He knows why I helped the person the other day that, you know, if you saw somebody with a broke down t- broke, you know, blowed out tire and you stopped to help them because you wanted to help. He knows your motivations behind helping them. Why did I go to the store on Monday and not on Tuesday? I don't know. That's trivial. But God knows that. And it's, it's things like that that really start to, should make us start to think that there's nothing, nothing, nothing that I can hide from the God that we worship. And so he, he says here he's familiar with all my ways why I do what I do in my life. So think about your day. Kind of break down a day. You know, you get up in the morning, you do these things, you have habits, right? As soon as I walk out, I hit the Keurig machine, you know, and I get my coffee going. And I don't even realize I'm doing those things. I do it subconsciously, and yet with God, He knows why I do that habit, do that routine. And so... It should open our eyes to God and change kind of how I look at every day and how I pray going into that day, knowing that all my motives, whether good or bad, are known by Him. It's not our husband or wife or our parents or, or whoever we kind of answer to here. It's, it's known by God what I'm going to do every day. Verse 4, it says, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. God knows my tongue and what I'm saying today, whether it be for good or for bad. Um, sometimes, and oh, I shouldn't do this. Do you ever just like to stir things up just a little bit? You know, whether it's at work or at home, you know, you just want, kind of want to stir the pot a little bit. And it mustn't, doesn't even have to be big words. You can just say, how you say it or, or how you even, uh, the reaction. <laughs> okay, confession time, right? So I was sitting in a meeting here the other week, and we were on, I'm glad it wasn't a teleconference. But we were on this phone conference, and the person on the other end of the line said something, and I rolled my eyes, and I looked at the other guy sitting around a table, and I'm like, good, nobody saw me. <laughs> And I was glad that the person on the other end of the line didn't see me roll my eyes. But God saw me. He saw me roll my eyes. He knew my attitude towards that person. And that wasn't right. But you know what? This is what's cool about this. As you read Psalm 139 and start figuring out that God knows about us, everything about us, it doesn't surprise him. Nothing surprises God. What I do during a day it's not like God's sitting there and go, wow, I didn't see that coming. He's just not like that because he knows everything. We don't surprise him, and I like that. I like that he knows where I fall, where I stumble, when I do good things. He knows those things. And so we we don't surprise good. On, On my worst day or my best day, I didn't surprise God that day. And so as we read through this, God's letting us know in these first section of verses that he's all-knowing. He's all-knowing, right? We have a big word for that, omniscient. God is omniscient. He knows everything. 
And so keep that in mind, right, as we go through a day that whatever goes on, he's all-knowing. He, he, you're not going to surprise him, and, and he knows everything about us. So as we kind of move on through, here, through these verses, verse 5, you hem me in behind and before. In Psalm 139 there, verse 5, you hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Back in verse 5 there, here's something we can take some confidence in, some hope in. You hem me in. Behind and before, you have laid your hand upon me. God, the all-knowing God, also says... I hold you. I put my hand on top of you. I put hems around you. I, I sew you in of where you go, what you do. Um, David kind of steps back a little bit here, and he ponders that a little bit. The creator of the universe covers me. He knows me. Not everybody else, me or you, or those people running up and down interstate. So David doesn't really have an answer for this, and he, he just kind of goes off there. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Can you comprehend that? Can you comprehend the God that fashioned this universe, and more than that, the heavens, uh, the earth, me, knowing who I am. Um, that's kind of mind-boggling. And the knowledge that's behind that is mind-boggling. And if you ask me to understand God's mind, it's, it's not going to happen. He gives me this little bit in his word that I can know him. But to understand God's thoughts and 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 there's no way that we could ever understand that. And so then he kind of comes back um, a little bit and goes on. But, you know, there are days that I don't know what I'm doing. Did you ever have one of those days? It's like, why am I here? What am I doing? I'm, you know, you're just kind of out there. And yet, even when we're like that, God has hemmed us in. He has covered us, kept us from things that... To getting into things that we shouldn't have gotten into or, or just protected us and watched over us. And so think of that comfort when you have the next day for, full of turmoil and you don't know what's going to happen next, that I'm hemmed in by God. He's before me. He's behind me. And he's laid his hand upon me. So as he moves on here, he, he starts thinking kind of in rhetorical thought. So if we're going to ask these questions in verse 7, verse 8, uh, verses 9 and 10, where can I go if I did want to get away from God? Where are you going to go? If you wanted to get away, away from God right now, where would you go? 
Well, in verse 7, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Verse 8, if I go to the heavens, he's there. If I die and I'm buried and I can't get away from him, he's there. He's in the depths. You're there. Um, That's life and death, right? God knows where I'm at. God knows me in life. He knows me in death. He knows if I've run, right? If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. How about distance? Surely I can run away from God. Or not, right? <laughs> Cody the other week, right? Jonah, how'd that work out for him? It didn't work out so well. <laughs> you know, Jonah tried to run and, and that didn't work. So, We have a little bit different idea of the world than what David did, right? David looked at Israel, kind of the Mediterranean, you know, kind of a little bit into Africa, and that was his world. As we look at the world nowadays, we know it's this globe, and we know there's these countries all over the world, but God God knows that too. He's everywhere in it. And so, in our day and age, we can kind of comprehend space a little bit, right? We can put telescopes up there and satellites, and we can see as far as we can see, and yet, even beyond that and through that, he's there. I could get in the next, the shuttle to Mars, and if I land on Mars in one piece, he's going to know I'm there. Um, we're just not going to get away from him, and that's a good thing. Would you ever want to get away from God? We might think we do (laughs) some days, but I I don't want to get away from God. Even on my bad days and when I'm at my worst, I don't want to get away from Him. And I'm not because He's everywhere. And thank God for that. How about verses 11 and 12? If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Maybe I can hide from God in the dark. That might work with your friends and your family. You might lock yourself in your bedroom or you might, you know, go for a walk in the woods, but, or hide in the dark, whatever it is, or cover your eyes like a little kid and say, God, you can't see me. It's not going to work. Light and dark aren't obstacles to God. Um, Right? Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Are you going to hide in the dark from the God that created light? It's not going to work. So even that, you can't play hide-and-seek with God. He's going to win. But as we read that, don't get the idea here that that David is trying to get away from God. He's just pondering things of, if I were, where would I go? And then he comes back to the thought, we can't. And so that's what he's trying to do here. It's just kind of rhetorical. And so David's not trying to hide. What he's doing is praising God that no matter where he goes or what he does or where he's at, God's there. And 
and we try to, right, we can, it's God's ever presence. It's, he's everywhere. We can't, we can't get away from that. And the big word is omnipresent, right? And so David does that, you know, tries to think about this by posing these questions. God knows where I am. I know he is everywhere, and we should be able to take that and be thankful for it, that there's no place I can get away from him. It's kind of neat because he goes on here. He starts thinking again. I like David. When I like to think about weird things and abstract things. And, and David kind of goes on here. It goes, God goes beyond knowing where I am and where I was. In fact, he created me. And so David ties these next verses to the thought, God is everywhere and in everything past, present, and future, including creation. And so we start to see God's power. And he, when he looks at God's power, he's looking at it as the idea of forming a baby, uh, forming a baby David, or forming a baby Joel, or whoever, you know? And so David ties these next verses into that. And, and when we read these, let's read them right now. It says, verses 13 through 16, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. David's not just speaking about human reproduction here. He's speaking of God's creative power. Like I said, he's, he's thinking of, if this is David speaking here, he's thinking of, before I was a baby, before I was in my mother's womb, God knew me. God knows me, right? And, and think of what that takes and the planning of that, right? Uh, as parents, you know, when you have a child, you start planning, you know, you get a room ready, you take whatever, you start buying diapers, bottles. Think of the planning before that. Think of the planning that God did. God planned that birth. God planned that baby. And so think of the creativity that that takes to create a human being and the power that takes. In verse 13 there, it says, for you created my inmost being. So literally, like the Hebrew, that means you created my kidneys. God created my kidneys. And so when they looked at it back there in those times, in David's times, they thought the kidneys were like the, the center of our body, which they kind of are. They're kind of like right here, you know. And so when they say that, you created my kidneys. God was weaving and knitting, it says, it says, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. We know a little bit more about that nowadays, more so than what David did. We know about proteins and chromosomes and one cell and two cells and three cells and brain cells and liver cells and heart cells and skin cells. One by one, God placed those together in a mother's womb to make a baby. And so in verse 14... I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. We still, to this day, don't understand what it takes to create a human being. There's a lot of people I think they think they do, but 
I don't think we totally understand that yet to this day, and I don't think we ever will. We have all this medical science and biology, but there's still mystery in there in what makes a human being a human being. Now, the technology and the science that we do have, it's kind of neat, right? Um, it should even make us more amazed when, when the scientists start digging down and looking at these chromosomes and how they're put together that we should think, God did that. God made it that way. God does that. He knows me. Even the little DNAs that are inside of me and the proteins that make them up, he put them together. And right, the, my mind right away goes to, the, to a sonogram, right, of a baby. You can get a sonogram, right, and the baby looks like this little lima bean. And then, you know, nine months later, you look at that same, you know, that sonogram, and you see a baby. And it's like, wow, how, how fearful. It's kind of an interesting word, isn't it? Fearful and wonderful is that. God's creative power and what he does. David says, I know that full well. The amazing things God has done. That deserves praise to God of how he works. And it shows me his power. Verses 15 and 16, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He knew me before I knew me. He knew me before my parents knew me. And the same goes for you. Think about this. The person that we were closest to in our lives, physically, is our mother, right? When we were a baby, there was a cord that was attached for me to my mom. And I think that's probably the same for everybody else here. Um, you know, <laughs> that's how it works. And that cord was supplying oxygen. That cord was supplying food for me. And yet, even as close as I was to my mom at that time, she's supplying my blood, right? She's supplying everything I need. Even yet, I was so close to my mom at that time, during pregnancy, God's closer than that. How do you get closer than that? Well, he looked on our unformed bodies. Before we were born, he looked at our unformed bodies, and our days are in his providence. He knew what day we would be born. He would know what month of the pregnancy I would be born or you would be born. And it's by his providence that that's done, by what he has written. You see that there? It says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Before anything, he knew. He knew me. And by what he has written, those days are numbered. Not by anybody else. Before the womb and beyond the womb, he knows me. I was written in his book. I, I'm known by God. And he knows me better than my mom, right? So think of that power and the wisdom involved with, with God. To do that, right? We have a big word for that too, omnipotent, right? All-powerful. Uh, that word's kind of funny. I looked up that word omnipotent, means all-powerful, right? 
it has two, had uh, two definitions. The adjective definition says unlimited power. Omnipotent is unlimited power. And the noun, and this is on Google, the noun, it says God. That's their definition for omnipotent. <laughs> God. I'm like, hey, they got that right. So let's keep thinking about this. And as we think about this, let's think about how big is that making God? How little is that making me? <laughs> you know, how precious, in verse 17 there, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. It's kind of funny. It's, it's like David, he's almost lulled to sleep here, thinking about God, um, how amazing and powerful he is, and how wise he is. And he, he starts thinking about God's thoughts, and he's like, how, how, where am I going to go with that? That this God is this big. And yet, we can't comprehend it, and it's comforting, and it's relaxing, knowing that God, who has all these thoughts that's as many as the sands of the sea, knows me and knows you. That's pretty neat. And so, as we kind of continue to move on here, verses 19 through 22, now it kind of changes, right? He's thinking about the thoughts of God in verses 17 and 18 and how big they are and the birth and, and just how big and great God is. And he kind of stops and he thinks for a second. It says, If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those that hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Okay, that's a little different. So Jehovah, God, knows everything about me. And I know what he wants me to know about him, right? He gives us his word, things that we know about him. And yet, I, and I know these things. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. He's all-knowing. And I look around, and I see all this hatred, and I see all this anger, and I see all this evil towards God, but God waits. That's kind of a strange thought. He, 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 if, if you would only do that, oh God, look at these people. They're, they're misusing your name. And so I don't know what to think of that a lot. I know that I'm to be on God's side. I know that God's anger and hatred is a righteous anger and hatred. I know when I'm angry and hating, it's not righteous. But I want to be on God's side. I want to be on the side of the omniscient, the omnipresent, the omnipotent God. That's the side I want to be on. I want justice in this world. I want righteousness in this world. But I'm not God. You're not God. But you know what? We, we do have God's word. And as I think about that, we can see all these things, right? When we turn on the television or on our phones or on our computers, we can see all this evil in the world. But he sees all that too. And when we read the Bible, we can see that those things that kind of stress us out and worry us are also going to be taken care of by that same God, right? I, I, I think I was just kind of thinking of verses or just different things in the Bible that I know about God. 
Uh, in Hebrews, it says he's a consuming fire. How does that make you feel? God, a consuming fire, that power of God. He says in, in Revelation, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The Bible calls him a redeemer. I, I'm not any of those things, and nor can I ever be, but I got a God that is, and he's going to do it right. If you think about us and not being God, I'm, I'm unstable. I'm weak in mind. I don't comprehend things correctly in God's way. I don't comprehend God's thoughts. In Isaiah, it says, in Isaiah 55, verse 8, it says, and this is talking, Isaiah prophesying and prophesying about Israel in the future. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. What we think is right, good chance it's not. What we do as humans and and in our emotion and in our feeling, it's probably not right. And the way we think, right, we always pray. When I pray for somebody that's sick in my mind, I always pray, I want them healed, right? I want them healed. That's what I want, God. But my thoughts aren't God's thoughts, right? And we know that. And his ways aren't my ways. And so when somebody's not healed, how, how do we think about God? Well, we should think about God in the way that he is all-knowing and he is righteous and he does do things that are perfect. And so when that person is not healed, it's in God's power and his providence, and what he knows is best. And it's good that it is that way instead of what I think is best. So we read those things right here, these verses 19 through 20 about the enemies and the evil and the hate and that we want to be on God's side. At the end of the day, it's, it's not about the world. It's not about those things out there. God's going to take care of it. At the end of the day, it's about God. It's about David. It's about me. It's about you. In this psalm, it's about us understanding who God is and God knowing who I am. That's what this psalm's about. I need to know those things. I want to side with God. I want to realize my place when I look at God and be in the right attitude towards God? Verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I need to know about God. I need to know about me. I need to know where I stand and where my heart stands with God. And do I give him the praise and honor that he's due? When we read that psalm and think of all those magnificent things, I need to put him in his proper place up here and me down here. I can't hide anything before him. I can't run away from him. God knows you and me. He knows the good and bad. He knows when we're struggling through life or when we're cruising through life. And he knows the smallest detail about whether we stood up or sat down in church today. He knows those things. And 
the all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful God, right? Let's throw out the big words, omniscient, omnipresent, because it just sounds better, right? Big words, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God knows me and you. You know, when we say those words, all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful, I'm not any of those things, and neither are you, right? Would you want to be all-powerful? I can guarantee you within 10 seconds of me being all-powerful, I would have screwed it up, right? (laughs) And yet, I want it that way. I want God to be those things, because if he's not those things, If God is not all-powerful, if he's not all-knowing, if he's not everywhere, then he's not God. So he has to be those things, and he is. And there's days where we're not going to like that, right? Do you want God digging into you to, to point out who you are and where you stand? That doesn't sound comfortable um, because it hurts our pride and it hurts our self-reliance. But After that, we can rest in that when we don't know, he does. And back when it said his hand upon us, you know, that can guide me, those thoughts of God. 23 and 24 gets, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Again, if you read that, right, think about verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Verses 23 and 24 are different than that. It's not just knowing God. It's it's not just knowing that God searches us. It's wanting to be searched by God. And that's going to involve testing, and it's going to involve God knowing and letting us know who we are. And so when we think about that, can we say those words with a humble heart and in awe of God, Knowing how great he is and how little we are in our stature and in our knowledge and our sin, can we say those words with David? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Not should we just be able to say those words. We should be able to rejoice in those words because they show that God knows me. And now I want to be known by God. I want him to point out who I am. Because at the end of the day, he already does. And we should rejoice of those things because he's the one that's leading us in the way everlasting, right? All this Psalms and all this Old Testament and all that thing leads to the way everlasting, right? Jesus Christ. And so that's where we need to be led, when we're asking God to search us and know us, it's because I want to be led in the right way. I want to be led toward his son. I want to be led to Jesus Christ. And I hope that's where all you want to be led to, right? Even if it hurts, even if he tries to test us or does test us, that's what we need because he's all those things. He knew us before we were born. He knows what's coming out of our mouth. He knows what's going on in our heads more so than anybody else. And so we can rest in that. So when I said at the beginning, I kind of take comfort in knowing that there's nothing I can do that God doesn't already know. I take comfort in that. There's no mistake or sin that I can make that he didn't already know. And I think that's great. That's the God I want, and that's the God we have. So 
think, you think way back there, David in Psalm 139, and it applied then, it applies today, it'll apply in the future. And so, that's the way I want to be. I want to be able to say, search me, O God, and truly mean it, and be okay with what he tells me.